The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman and media type guy. I also run a website called youthrivehere.com. I'm here with Raymond Anderson the Senior Minister for the Center for Spiritual Living in Greater Baltimore. Hey, Raymond, how you doing? I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm doing great. I feel like I'm going with the flow today since our uh, topic is synchronicity. How about you? Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Go with I'm, the flow. With the flow, with the flow. Um, we'll be talking to physics educator Sky Nelson Isaacs about his new book, Living in the Flow. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I think this stuff is pretty fascinating, um, all about working with the universe to increase your flow in life. Especially since he's coming at it from a science point of view. Yes, yes. Very interesting. Yes, agreed. Now, Raymond, I have to also confess, I have to confess something, and that is that I will later on in the show reveal a deep, dark physics secret. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Should, so, I put, should I go put on my collar? I think you should. Do you have a collar? Yeah, actually, I do. <laughs> so rarely th- see New Thought Ministers with collars on. Yeah, it's from when I was a, a regular Baptist, because that was my first ordination was as a Baptist minister. Was it? Yep. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Yep. Well, That's you have- my confession. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you have traveled the path. Uh, no comment no comment no comment all right and i'm so, looking uh, forward like, to your confession though <laughs> we like to uh start the show with some musical inspirations songs that motivate us for the day when we're getting up getting going yes, so yes. Ramon, i'm gonna start with mine if that's cool with you yeah that's cool all right here we go Living in the flow of miracles 
is uh, Janice Stanfield's Living in the Flow. Uh, very cool. Yeah, I don't think I've heard that one before. Yeah, you know, she's a, a, a inspirational, new thought realm kind of giant, in my opinion. She's a truly awesome singer. She's also a songwriter, a speaker, a coach. Uh, you can okay. check her out at JanaStanfield.com, and obviously the music is on iTunes too. But I couldn't, I couldn't think of something more perfect than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have several of her songs. I just, I'm not familiar with that one. So yeah, we're gonna go download that one today. You should do that. You should do it. What do you got for today? You ready? I am ready. Life is a journey, not a destination. There are no mistakes. Just chances we've taken, lay down your regrets. Cause all we have is now. Wake up in the morning and get out of bed. Start making mental twist in my head of all of the things that I am grateful for. You know who that was? No, who is it? Indiari. Oh, yeah, I love her. Yeah. And, and I, I picked that one today because one of the things, which I guess we'll get to with Sky later, is the idea that because of synchronicity, there really are no missed opportunities. Ooh. Mm. I don't know about that. I think I might have to ask him about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it, he he doesn't... He says that we shouldn't worry about opportunities we consider missed because there are other branches of the tree, I think, that uh, we can follow. He's got this whole apple tree model. I, I <laughs> couldn't begin to explain it. <laughs> but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> we will. We will. So uh, time for dueling inspirations. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. I'm going to say that my inspiration is better than yours, and I don't even know what yours is. Yeah, well, yours might be better than mine today, but go for it. <laughs> Are you quoting uh, Dr. Seuss? Oh, oh, you know, not in a box, not, yeah, maybe. Not, gonna, not with a cat in a hat. <laughs> I want to hear who? <laughs> Horton, yes, yes. <laughs> so am I first? Go first. Okay, so mine is very short and very simple. Um, it's something that it that actually took me a long time to actually embody. But this idea of when you seek it, you cannot find it. The end. <laughs> wow. Who's that? Uh, Chinese philosopher Hugh Neng. Hmm. When you seek it, you cannot find it. Which is funny because I think the thing that I read about um, Butterworth, one of our previous sessions, when he said we're not really spiritual seekers it's about awakening to the truth of who we are so we're not really seeking anything which made me think well if a lot of us are walking around saying we're truth seekers and Hugh Nang says when you seek it you cannot find it what are we really looking for then? <laughs> wow you blow my mind <laughs> I thought I was a seeker I can't be a seeker anymore well, I think you can. I think it's all about, well, what are you seeking? Or how are you seeking? I think therapy. I think therapy oh. will help. Is, that, is this another confessional? 
Yes. <laughs> well, I really like that. That's that's really interesting. I have to really contemplate that. That's pretty profound. All right, you ready for mine? Yeah, go for it. I'm ready. Dear universe, my heart and my mind are open to the flow of infinite wisdom and possibilities. Guide me to experience and attract new opportunities, new friends, new places to visit, and new creative endeavors. Motivation is sparked within my heart when I'm in a state of flow. Life is effortless, energized, fun, and free. So be it. So it is. Amen. So that's a meditation from Sarah Proud in her book, recent book called Dear Universe from yeah. Houghton Mifflin Harcourt Publishing. I, I love her book. I love it. Very cool. Very cool. I could tell you're a Star Trek nerd, though. You know that? Because when you read that, there's that part where you said uh, about, oh, and I can't quote how you said it now, but you, you read it in the James T. Kirk voice to seek out new lands and new life forms. <laughs> Like you, I heard that in there. It's like, okay, go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. Wow. That's profound in itself. <laughs> uh-huh. That's See, cool. What was the name of the book again? It's called Dear Universe. And the author is Sarah Prout. Gotcha. Thank you. I think it's important that it says you're open to the flow of infinite wisdom. And, and it's it's asking for... I don't take it as asking a, a being to do something for you. I, I take it in as, you know, the flow of this from, you know, whatever we believe is the greater universe, you know? So I, I think that's a, an important distinction to make. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's asking, like we have this English way of thinking about asking is to beg or beseech or, you know, try to bargain with versus asking as an expectation yes like when you go to a restaurant you ask the waiter or waitress you know to place your order but you're asking with an expectation you're you're basically making a very polite command hmm. yes which is a very different kind of thing you know a surfer goes goes out to the to the ocean or whatnot, and they're not asking the universe or the, the ocean to give them waves, but they go out fully expecting it. Interesting, interesting. So, yeah, that's where I am. Well, I think, um, you know, I think it's too close to call. So if you believe in angels, I think we'll have to discern whether the, the angels decide who wins that one. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we got to pull out an angel oracle card deck or something and flip a card. I don't have one. <laughs> Want me to buy you one? Um, let me let me think about that. <laughs> I'll buy you one that's Star Trek themed. The Angels of Star Trek. I I would be so into the tarot of the Angels of Star Trek. I would be see, so into see? that. Yeah, I know you would, because you, you know Q would be one of them. Of course. <laughs> oh. And now it's time for a special segment with Ed Biagiodi. How you doing, Ed? Oh, my goodness. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing great. So the words today are synchronicity and flow. Fantastic. Fantastic. I love synchronicity and flow, and... I was sitting here, you know, I, t I taught uh, in my 
job as the inclusion specialist for the district and I got something to eat and I, I was thinking about synchronicity and flow and I was thinking that we often don't think about how synchronicity can be good or synchronicity can be bad. Uh, when we're in the flow, when we take the time to get in tune with God, with the divine mind, with our authentic self, and we feel really good, that's when what most people call synchronicity, we, things end up happening. You run into the right person at the right time. You know, yesterday I, I was really uh, not feeling like going into school because there's one teacher that I work with that sometimes I'm not always that excited to work with. But I just did the self-forgiveness. I let go of everything. I got in a good state of mind. I showed up, and she wasn't there that day. So that was a very positive <laughs> synchronicity, right? Like, uh, then those are the type of things. Another situation I'll run into, the same person could be the principal at one school. If I go in there, leading with the chin, as my friend Daryl Pizarro always says, meaning I am not tuned into the divine mind. I'm feeling you know, bad about myself or I'm feeling resentful. I can see that same principle and all of a sudden she's asking me, well, did you do this? Did you do that? Why didn't you do this? Right. But if I go in there and I'm in tune with God, with the divine mind, with who I really am, that same person, she'll see me and say, how are you doing today, Ed? And it's like, all of a sudden we're on equal footing and, and it, everything just flows along nicely. So that's why it's so important to take time to tune in to God, to tune into the self, to affirm the truth. Like this morning I started off and I had this, you know, some nagging negative thoughts in my head. And as my day went on, I realized, look, I got to drop all that story. And not only do I just let go and feel the goodness of God, I got to affirm, what am I here to do? What, what, you know, what energy do I want to bring to this day? And once I started doing that, the synchronicity started happening. I bumped in to the perfect student. I needed to ask him something about his mother. I, I, you know, the perfect person to help me with this small group showed up. So synchronicity, it's always happening. It's just a question of what, which end of the spectrum really are we tuned into? Are we tuned into God, into the flow of life? Like you said, flowing, feeling good, or are we tuned into lack, resistance, fear, and doubt? Either way, synchronicities are going to happen because we're going to attract situations that match our vibration. But when we practice the things that we talk about practicing in the spiritual community, spiritual world, meditating, like I said, affirming the truth, getting in touch with God and with our, who we really are, then those positive, delightful type of synchronicities happen. And there's really nothing better. So it's the energy you put out there. You get back basically. Yes. And, and the energy we can't fake. This is what I want to say. Like we, you can't fake the energy you put out there. You have to go like what Jesus called, go into the secret place. Only we know when we're tuned in. We can say whatever we want, but when we connect with that God, the source, our true self, we get this I get this wonderful feeling. And then the universe responds to that. So it, you know, it takes the, the conscious willingness to re, to connect with that divine energy, you know, with the divine, because you can say whatever you want, but the universe responds to how you feel and, and, you know, what you're truly plugged into. Real quick, how do you get into that state? What's the best way that you get into that state with? I have a bunch of books that I read from Eric Butterworth, The Daily Word from Unity, uh, Emmett Fox I read every morning. Alan so I have those books that kind of break up the rocks in my mind, help, you know, like 
tend to the when I'm tending to the soil, and then I have to spend as as little as three minutes, six minutes, seventeen minutes, depending on how much time I have to just breathe and get into a meditative state, and then from there it's really helpful to affirm some just joyous. You know, this is the, I have some of affirmations I use. This is the best day ever. Surely it is. I smile and know that I'm the best in the biz. I have these little silly things that I affirm, but that really put me into a positive flowing state of mind. And then I just watch those synchronicities happen. Do you ever use music? Um, I have a couple of meditations that I use to, uh, that have guided from Abraham Hicks. They have one with music. I never use music, but. Um, I don't often use it just straight away to help me, um, when I'm meditating, although now that you say that, I wonder why I don't use it more because it really does help. Find me on Instagram at, at crazy Eddie loves you. Eddie is E D Y crazy. Eddie loves you. You got it. Great to have you, Ed. We'll talk to you next All right, time. Buddy. Thank you. So Raymond, you, you mentioned to me a couple of movies that you thought, uh, illustrated synchronicity and you know, I, I'm really curious, what ones indicate that to you? What, what would you recommend watching? Well, for me, especially because of the, the one scene in, um, now I can't think of the name of the movie, and I sent, I sent you the link of it. Curious Case of Benjamin Button? Yes, with uh, Brad Pitt. Um, that one scene where he's basically outlining and saying, had any one of the these elements changed, the entire outcome would have changed. And so that scene really sort of highlights this idea that everything is interconnected. Um, I mean, even, even Groundhog Day and the whole idea of having opportunities or, or grasping the opportunities within each decision, each choice, and how it shapes our lives. So for me, those two movies like really, really highlight the idea of being in the flow interesting yeah i my favorite one of my favorite movies is groundhog day and i can see that in there mm -hmm. it's funny that you know we we tell and it, it makes me wonder if the writers have this in mind you know how in many new thought places churches and centers we tell the story about so the man's walking down the street and he falls in a hole climbs out of the hole and then the next day he comes by and he falls in the same hole and then the story goes on and says, well, then the next time he came down, he tried to go around it, but he slipped and he fell in. And then he came down and he, eventually the point of the story is he decided to go down a different street. And like that's in the movie. It's not exactly that same thing, but that whole puddle scene and bumping into the guy on the sidewalk, like that's the thing is, why do you keep going down the same street? Why do you keep repeating the same pattern? And he learned from it. And once he learned and changed and evolved, things changed for him. I'm really excited for our guest today. He's the author of the book, Living in Flow. His name is Sky Nelson Isaacs. Sky's a physics educator, author, and musical performer. His writing and teaching uncovers the potential science of synchronicity and flow. His music strikes a deep chord. Sky helps individuals and organizations live in flow, transforming the world from the inside out. How you doing, Sky? Good, good to see you, Jim. Hi, Raymond. Greetings. Welcome to Big Universe, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. There's a lot of work to be done in the world and I'm happy to do my part. Excellent. 
Excellent. So the, the title of your book is Living in Flow, The Science of Synchronicity and How Your Choices Shape Your World. Uh, we got a few minutes here. So I'm, I'm curious, I guess, first off to ask the basic question. From your perspective, what does synchronicity mean to you? Synchronicities are, in, in Carl Jung's definition, meaningful coincidences. They're events that happen in the external world that reflect some kind of meaning or purpose that you're experiencing in your own life. And a lot of people think of them as these really big events, like, oh, I bumped into somebody in another country and it was, it was seemed like fate. But I, I think it's, there's a spectrum of these experiences such that it's actually happening constantly in our lives. It's the way the cosmos weaves together our different life experiences in order to bring meaning and purpose into our lives. So it could be just, uh, you know, for instance, the way I had technical troubles coming on this call because I waited until the last minute in order to, to get things ready. And because I assumed just like yesterday, everything was working fine. But when I assume I put myself in a position where there's sort of uh, a meaning um, of, of taking for granted the experience I wanna have. And this is also an, a synchronicity when then uh, some kind of technical challenges come up. They, they do come up in those situations more likely than if I had done the preparation and been ready ahead of time. So it's a, it's a type of experience that shows up to bring us closer to the events or the meaning that we're generating in our own lives through our own choices. Interesting, interesting. Um, now, I love your ideas, I love your book, but I have to, I, I promised at the beginning that I confess a deep, dark secret about physics that I have. And that is, I took physics in high school. I met two of my best friends in that physics class. But I have to say that at the end of the semester, I had a chat with my professor and basically he said that if I promised to never take one of his classes again, he'd be a passing grade. <laughs> so, That's great. Is this the first time you've ever shared that secret? It is. It is. So I took, I took that hey. deal and I, I wanted to, I wanted to, make sure you knew where I was coming from a physics perspective. Can you still work with me? Yeah, um, for this one time, and then, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Don't tell my teacher, please. <laughs> uh, you know, what I love about that experience just now is that the, the underlying message, you know, so, so I do do research on the physics that I think underlies this, this phenomenon. But then there's a message that comes from that that the cosmos is responsive. And if the cosmos is responsive, then how are we to adjust our thinking about the way that we interact with things in our lives, the way that we expect from the external world certain types of experiences, and, and how we make choices? Because this is a science, I think, of choices and how we look at our world around us and understand the context of the momentum that we're building in our lives and then be able to see the way that events in life show up to actually fulfill or further the, the meaning that we're generating with our choices. And one key aspect of that is the sense of both empowerment and vulnerability that I think are really uh, part of the message of synchronicity. We are empowered to make choices in our lives that are purposeful. And from that, experience a building of something, whatever it is that we're building in our lives. And 
synchronicity leads us to this place of being really present in the moment. Like you can't see a synchronicity in your life unfold unless you're really present to what's going on. And that requires a level of vulnerability that I've had to develop over the course of uh, my adulthood in recent years in order to really be able to get into the flow mm. with life. Mm. And I appreciate that you, you, you know, you shared something that you hadn't shared before, which opens up the conversation to a level of vulnerability that I think ultimately is what the world is needing right now from all of us to, to step into. So my question, up. yeah, you said, um, in your book, you talk about how the universe is neither friendly nor hostile, nor indifferent. It's responsive. Tell me, we've got about two, three minutes here. Can you give me a start on, we can talk about it further. Can you give me a start on what you mean by that? Yeah, uh, Einstein was quoted as saying by his biographer, uh, I think it was, I think, I think I've got that right, um, that the biggest, most important question we can ask is whether the universe is friendly. And he was asking, sort of a moral question that had to do with, you know, how human beings treat each other. And, and he was really concerned with those issues. Um, and so that, that question of whether the universe friendly stuck in mind, and I don't know exactly how he meant it, but what came to me in writing this book is that I don't, you know, I've certainly had experiences and a lot, and I've talked to a lot of people that have experiences that, where the universe doesn't seem friendly. The universe brings us bad situations all the time. So one of the big hangups that can come with developing a theory of this sort is how do you how do you handle the fact that life is not a Pollyanna experience where we just have good experiences if we just you know control our mind well enough or something. So um, the cosmos isn't necessarily friendly and it's not unfriendly. And scientists like to think that this, the cosmos is just indifferent to us. Like it just doesn't care whether we're here. It doesn't even know whether we're here because it's not really conscious or alive. And I think none of those are true. I think that the cosmos is built to respond to us. And this is a way, it's, it's, it's fulfilling a, a karmic law in, in a sense. I think that this is related to karma, that the cosmos is built as a reflection to reflect to us the choices we make so that we understand ourselves better. And ultimately this becomes a process of healing and growth as we see ourselves at a deeper level through life's experiences. Wow, that's interesting. Well, we'll be right back with more from physics educator and musician Sky Nelson Isaacs. You're listening to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. And now it's time for a quick Raymond's Corner. What's up, Raymond? So since today we're talking about this whole idea of synchronicity, it just makes me reflect on the idea when we talk about God's will, you know, if it's the will of God or if it's meant to be or if it's supposed to be, then it will be, or if it's in the highest and best. And we say this like there's some 
anthropomorphic thing determining or aligning or directing. And it just makes me ask the question, at least for myself, ask the question is, if that which God is, I am, and that which God is, you are, then by our own choice, by our own decision, are we the ones determining and recognizing what is in alignment, recognizing what is synchronistic, what is recognizing coincidence? You know, is it the power that we are as the divine that's beckoning that question? Just putting that out there, something to consider. We're talking with physics educator Sky Nelson Isaacs, the author of the book Living in, the F Living in Flow, The Science of Synchronicity and How Your Choices Shape Your World. Welcome back, Sky. Hey, it's great to be here, Jim. Hi, Raymond. Greetings, greetings. Welcome back. So I guess I have a question uh, to piggyback off of what you started in the previous section. So when you say when we align with circumstances, circumstances align with us, we can call this flow. What exactly does that process of circumstances aligning? What does that mean and what does that look like for you? So when I say circumstances, I'm trying to refer to physical experiences out in the world, situations that show up in life, which, uh, you know, have, you know are, are just everyday life experiences. So, and, and the idea is that these experiences show up in unexpected ways to, to align and not necessarily, not necessarily benefit us, but there is an alignment between what we're choosing in our life and the sorts of experiences that come our way, which doesn't mean that we're responsible for every experience that happens. There's, there's things that happen that we can't understand the, the meaning or the purpose of that aren't reflecting necessarily choices we made. But what I'm getting at is, is looking at the choices we're making and how do we see those being reflected in the world? So for instance, I'll tell a quick story to give everyone a sense of what I mean by a synchronicity that can be used to get into the flow. So when I first got involved with the Centers for Spiritual Living and New Thought Community, I had been playing music a long time professionally and wanted to get connected to a more spiritual community, both for my own personal self and for the music I was writing. And I started attending a local center in Santa Rosa that uh, was the place to go. I, heard, I had heard about it, Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa. And, and um, so I went the first, on New Year's Day, I, just, I resolved to do that. That was my New Year's resolution. So I went and I, I met, uh, probably some of your listeners know Linda Webb-Kukaba, she was a wonderful songwriter and performer who we miss dearly. And I met her and talked to her after the service, after listening to their great music and, and said, you know, I'd love to volunteer to play on the music team if you need any pianist or any help. And she was like, okay, great. Nice to meet you. And I didn't really make any headway, but I kept coming back because I was, I wanted to build this idea of building momentum. Like I had invested something and I, I had built myself a little bit of momentum in that direction and I wanted to keep coming back. So I kept coming back week after week. And, you know, they had a really thriving program there. And she didn't, week after week, she didn't really have any particular idea of where I would fit in. So I wasn't really making any progress. But I was getting to know the community and the philosophy and, and really loving it and felt a great alignment. So here I was aligning with circumstance. I was seeing where things were going. I was committed to a certain path, but I also didn't know how it was going to unfold. And in the last week, I, I almost didn't go. It was the fifth, fifth Sunday in a row. And I almost stayed home because I was tired and I had other stuff to do and I wasn't making progress with my goal, but I decided to go anyway. I just, I knew that this is what I wanted and I still didn't have any progress, you know, getting on the team or anything like that. But when I got home that day, I checked my voicemail and there was a message from Reverend Mary Murray Shelton, 
who some of your listeners might know. And I had never met Mary and she had gotten my number from a local music shop where I had a friend who played bass in a band with me. And she got my number and called me and said, I'm looking for a music director from my church, which is a different one. And your name came up and I wondered if you'd be interested. And so to cut to the chase, I, I said, yes, right away. I was like, that's what I want. And, and I ended up being the music director for here for her for two years. And I learned the ropes by, by being the music director. So circumstances showed up out of the blue, this unconnected phone call from a different person, but a lot, it aligned with the effort I was making in my life and the direction I was trying to go. Fascinating. That's interesting. Um, now you talk about your model of meaningful history selection, which I, I think is really fascinating. Is um, First ex explain what, what that is, and then maybe you can talk us through a little bit of the, the diagram as, as you can on radio um, to sort of explain the paths you're talking about. Would that work? Yeah, I can do that. Let, let me follow up the last story with, uh, and Raymond's question with uh, the, the Lorax process. Oh, yeah. A, proce a process to dive into uh, to, to how, how circumstances align with us when we align with them. So the first step in the Lorax is to listen. Listen to life circumstances. And I had the intent of, you know, going to this, to becoming part of this, the, the Center for Spiritual Living. And, and I was having difficulty making that totally come together the way I wanted. But when I got a call out of the blue, I listened to that and noticed um, that, well, no, I'm not trying to connect with you. I'm trying to connect with this other center. But I had a little bit of like a resistance to it. So then I had to open my mind. So that's the second step, listen and then open. And then once I opened my mind to, well, maybe this is a useful circumstance, I reflected on how it might benefit me. And I knew right away, oh, yes, this is a chance to get involved in the New Thought community playing music. So listen, open, and then reflect, and then release. I had to release what I thought was going to happen, which was being part of the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa at that time. And I was part of, instead, of the Global Heart Center for Spiritual Living. So once I had listened, opened, reflected, and released, I could then act on it and know exactly where I was uh, intending to go. So that process helps me get back into the flow of life when I'm out of the flow. Now, how does, how does that experience show up in my life at that moment? I was talking about this idea of momentum, what I call symbolic momentum. I had a symbolic, I made a symbolic effort to be part of the Center for Spiritual Living. And that symbolic effort built momentum towards some outcome in which that happened. So if you picture that there's a tree branching out above you, and you're sitting at the base of this tree, and this tree represents all the different life choices that you have ahead of you, and all the different ways that people can get woven into your life. Every time there's a branching or a splitting of those branches, that's a different set of choice points that could happen. And now, it's an, now consider that it's an apple tree. So some of those branches have more alignment with your choices than others. Those are the ones that are, we, we call apple branches. They have apples on them. So let's say that I decide I'm going to go to the Center for Spiritual Living to try and get involved. And that places apples on any branch that has an outcome where I'm involved or I'm having a satisfying experience with the Center for Spiritual Living and being, being part of that community. So those branches are now identified on the tree as the ones that with the apples. And those apples weigh down the branches because they're heavy. And so when you weigh down the branches, they become more likely. And the, the probability increases for the, the branches that have the outcome that's aligned with what I chose. And here's the key idea, is that if I, if I choose again the second week to go back, I move towards, each time I do that, I move towards branches with more apples because they get heavier. 
but the branches might, the apples might be kind of far away from me. Like the, the apples don't necessarily come tomorrow. They might come a month from now. So I keep acting consistently with the desired intent and I move myself along statistically more likely than not. I move myself along the branches towards those apples. And ultimately on the fifth Sunday, I ended up getting an apple, but I didn't know until that moment that I was close to the apples. I had just built a bunch of momentum. And so this is a sense of, of having faith that the effort we've put in is paying off and we just got to keep on the path. So real quick, cause I know what I would do when I heard you mention this word, Lorax. Yeah. I need to know what the X is. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So Cause I know the listeners are like, wait a minute, he said Laura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to repeat and the Lorax, you know, the X is kind of a repeat. It looks like a repeat in a way. And, uh, it, it ties it all up in a bow. So the X really reminds us to repeat the process. And this process can happen um, any, over any time, type of time period. Like for me, it was kind of a five-week time period in that example. But sometimes this is something that happens over the course of three minutes. I have to listen to the circumstances showing up in my way. It's an obstacle of some kind. I have to open my mind to where, where it's leading me. Take a minute, take a deep breath and become present. I have to release or, or reflect on what it might be helping me see or asking me to do differently and then release my attachments and then act. And that might take 30 seconds or a couple minutes. Or I've had that experience over the course of a full year where that, that process of going from listening all the way to acting has unfolded very slowly. But it's important to just dive right back into that cycle because we're constantly being faced with unexpected circumstances. Our, our task is to figure out how to align with them. Now you talk. You have to make choices on on that apple branch on those uh, apple branches. You and you you say we shouldn't regret if we make one choice versus another. Is that correct? Well, it's a, it's a complicated issue. Regret. You know, I, I think that ultimately part of the message that I've gotten from this work is the power of authentic emotions. I think authentic emotions are driving the process of placing the apples on the branches. So they're driving the process of, process of synchronicity. And one of those emotions is a particularly powerful, grief. Uh, it's, a, it's an emotion that I think we, we want to avoid. And so we often, uh, it often gets in the way of flow because life is sort of sending us into an experience that we might feel an uncomfortable sense of grief or pain. And if we're not willing to do that, that we avoid that situation. And if we avoid that situation, we don't learn from the circumstance. Hmm. So I think that, uh, but what was your question again? Cause you had a specific point there. My question was, you know, when you have branches on the tree and you choose one versus the other, that you sh you shouldn't gr necessarily grieve over the one you didn't take. Is that, I I'm just trying to understand. Well, yeah, the, the, yeah the and you were saying regret. Regret, um, yes, regret. Well, and I think actually the point is to allow the grief. And when we allow the grief okay. authentically to come through, we, we feel a flow of, of our own emotions. And we then, the regret sort of just heals itself. Hmm. I think regret that sticks around is unhealed grief. Hmm. And every choice we make on this tree leads towards some new set of apples. So I've made so many, missed so many synchronistic chances. I can see them more clearly now than ever. 
and I've learned to grieve the, the things I've missed because there are more things coming. There's more and better coming, but it doesn't invalidate the fact that that was a choice point that I, I made a certain decision on. So I think there is authentic grief that, that needs to be felt in order to move, move on and grow stronger. Which you illustrated in the book very well with the contractor story. Yeah, yeah. You want me to tell that story? Go for it. So I was, I, well, I, Jim will have to interrupt me if he wants to. <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> working on a project on our house and uh, my, my wife, it, you know how it happens with house building sometimes, you, you get a little farther than you expected into the project. And my wife was like, are you sure you wanna do all that extra stuff? And I thought to myself, well, as long as we're doing it, it's, it's not that hard to get in there and do this extra stuff on the, on the, on the room, right? Um, and she was right, <laughs> because shortly into the project, the contractor did something which was a mistake and we had to then address that. And suddenly our project went from a fun project to like a triage situation, trying to figure out how to recover our, our living space for ourselves. And I'll, it took, took months of really difficult experiences and feeling not at home in our house. And what did I do to create the situation? Like trying to understand what my process was. And finally it took one day, many months in where I, I, it was late at night, everyone else in the house was asleep and I just surrendered to my grief. I realized that every time I tried to control the situation a little bit more to fix it, I was making things worse. And I, I didn't quite understand how that was happening, but it was very evident that that was happening. It was this cause and effect of taking more control and having things spin out of control. And Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who wrote the book on, on flow, talks about flow as being the, the surrendering the worry about control. It's not about taking more control or surrendering control at all. It's about surrendering the worry about control. So you allow yourself to be in this flow of control. Sometimes you have to be assertive and sometimes you have to be receptive. And finally that night I just surrendered and said, you know, whatever I'm doing is causing more problems. I'm gonna have to start listening. So I listened to the circumstance. I saw what options I had right in front of me. I listened to my wife about what her suggestions was. And I, I, I came into relationship with the situation in a way that I hadn't been so that I was actually debating with people and trying to figure it out and not having the answers. Hmm. And I had some steps in front of me I could take. I didn't know that they'd work out, but they, they did eventually, you know, two weeks later we had the, the permit that we needed in our hands. We had a new contractor who was doing the work and a month later the problem was resolved. I think it was because of the, the relationship that I entered into instead of trying to fix the problem myself. Thank you. So you say that um, you give purpose to your life and there's a difference between finding our purpose and finding a sense of purpose. What do you mean? Yeah. So can I read a quote from the book? Please. There's a difference between finding our purpose and finding a sense of purpose. The first phrase implies a very big statement about life goals, as if there's something we are supposed to be doing with our lives and we have to find the right thing. I like the second phrase better, finding a sense of purpose. I think that the universe responds to the choices we make by bringing new events into our lives that match those choices. Therefore, each of our daily actions becomes a really important. Making each action purposeful is a habit we can develop. It's like tending a garden. You aren't a factory farm pumping out only one cash crop. 
You're a community garden, planting different seeds at different times and for different purposes. Some of your actions purposely build love within your family. Others of your actions invest in your success in your career. Still other corners of the garden hold seeds you plant purely for the growing of your own joy and fulfillment in life. Finding a sense of purpose focuses more on the sense of part than on the purpose part. The purpose can be any goal or intention you take on, but your sense of purpose is unique to you. Finding a sense of purpose is about finding the essence of yourself in everything you do. So what, what this speaks to me is, you know, I have a certain set of professional goals and I, I am committed to writing about the, writing the book and talking to you and other people about it. And yet I also have a set of personal goals. And when I got up this morning, I had to get my daughter off to school and I had to clean the kitchen and make sure I was fed and felt good. And, and each of these things can be approached with a sense of purpose because each of them, if we don't give them the attention they need and water the garden, each of those aspects of our life can fall apart or can start to have problems. And so the, the idea is that every part of our life is a garden that needs tending and to allow ourselves to, to have some faith that they're all going to, all going to take care of themselves if we keep taking care of them, but we can't just focus on one and, and just make that, really thrive because the other ones will start to wither and have, and by, by withering, I mean, symbolically, certain problems will start to show up in life. This is the circumstances which show up, which are like, oh, now, you know, suddenly my daughter's late for school and now I'm really stressed about it. She left her lunchbox behind and like that all happens because I'm focused too much at work. Right. So it's this approaching life with a sense of purpose rather than just the singular purpose that we might want to focus on. Interesting. Interesting. You talk about uh, qualitative experiences are the foundation of who you, who you are. What do you mean? Well, so there's this element of qualitative experience that is important. It's, I think that we are constantly anticipating experiences in our life. When I get up in the morning and I think I want my daughter to have a good day, I'm anticipating the, the experience that she has walking out the door of, of being happy, or I'm thinking I want to have a, a successful time working on my job in the morning. So I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm anticipating that experience in my brain. I might not even know it, but I'm feeling what it's going to feel like to, to want to have the experiences I want to have. If you think about coffee, you know, you get up in the morning and you, you just even think about coffee, even right now, you have an experience. You probably taste the coffee in your mouth just a little bit, just by thinking of it. So our bodies are meant to, or are designed to feel our lives. And we, I think we feel into what we want and what we don't want in life. And this is what connects to those branches of the tree way up there above us and, and, and tells the branches of the tree, these are the outcomes which align with what you're feeling, what you're anticipating. But it's not necessarily a specific outcome. It's not like I think of a cup of coffee and I get exactly that cup of coffee. I might instead, you know, Start feel into having a cup of coffee and then have someone pass me a glass of black tea at when I get to work, like it's a free cup of tea that somebody got accidentally at the, at the cafe and they're just handing it out. And that, that is a qualitative, it's qualitatively similar mm -hmm. to the coffee. And it's a way that this, the responsive cosmos is responding to us and bringing us the experiences that are aligned with us, but we have to be able to see it as you know, equivalent essentially. It's not a cup of coffee, but it plays the same symbolic role. 
I have to differ with you a little bit there in that if somebody hands me a cup of tea and I need my <laughs> coffee, <laughs> I might not take the right uh, path towards the right apples. I knew I'd opened a can of worms there. <laughs> and, and that's great because it's such a, it's such a, that right there is a hang up that let's, let's back away from coffee because that's a loaded issue. I know, <laughs> but, but being able to recognize our habits of what we're what values we're connected to and what we're, values we're attached to. And I think life is showing us new ways of thinking and being all the time that expand our sense of who we are into a, 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 the greatest self that we can be. And it could be my value of, you know, conserving plastic. I, I can be kind of ambitious, let's say, about trying to conserve plastic. But I have to also recognize sometimes when in the moment I really need to, to get something that involves uh, plastic that's wasteful and I don't align with that on a values level but in the moment I am I'm present with life and seeing what it can teach me about flexibility in, you know in my own values and so there's there's a way in which flow is I think leading us to uh, through certain preconceptions we have about how we should be and, and what's what's appropriate at every given moment so I have a question one of the things, you know, in our day and age, we reference that, you know, go with the flow kind of, yeah. you know, phraseology that you hear often, go with the flow. And you differentiate between going with the flow and being in flow. What's the difference for you? Well, on that scale, the spectrum that I was talking about between control and surrender, on one hand, we, we take control of life because it just seems like things aren't working out. I got to manage this. Other times, it like in my story about the, the house project, construction project, mm -hmm. I hit a point where I just, actually the problem all happened in the first place because I, I let go of control completely. I said to the contractor, you deal with this however you want to. And, and I, I actually had a strong opinion about how he dealt with it that would have been important to share at that point. And so I just surrendered control. I went with the flow. But in a case where you're working on a construction project, going with the flow is not a realistic or effective way to run the project, right? So living in flow is not the same as going with the flow. Living in flow is about transcending the worry about whether you should be in control or not and following your own instincts in the moment about what's the right thing to do. You know, in, rela in relationships, yeah. we, we shouldn't be always in control, right? With, with our spouse, for instance, right. but we also shouldn't be just surrendering all the time. We, we're used to hopefully finding that middle path of navigating the river with them. Give me just a very quick, we don't have much time, but give me just a very quick um, understanding of when you, you talk about the, the, the apple tree and the paths, can you give me just a little bit of the physics behind that? <laughs> yeah, that's an easy thing to do in a couple of minutes. <laughs> well, <laughs> Let me just say this. Quantum mechanics is the study of what things are doing when you're not observing them. It's a study of what's happening when you're not looking. So uh, that happens at the microscopic level when we're not observing uh, an electron. It, it is in a superposition of lots of different possibilities. There's all these potentialities. And the same, I think, is true of the, the macroscopic world. When we're not observing it, it's evolving into many possibilities. And the, the process of synchronicity or meaningful history selection, as I call it, is one in which the, the, the cosmos around us is undetermined until we, we interact with it and we experience a particular set of circumstances. 
Now you and, 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 and I want to bring this to the message again that I just think is, I'm so passionate about, which is this leads us to a sense of empowerment and being willing to stand up for what we believe in and feel is important in our lives because we are going to experience a response from the cosmos no matter what we choose. And we can make a real difference in the world in whatever small way that we can by taking those kinds of proactive, bold uh, initiatives in our lives and trusting that we will be supported. Thank you so much, Sky, for joining us. I think your book is fascinating. I think uh, it's been a great conversation. I wish we had another couple of hours we could talk to it. Maybe we'll have you back on. Thanks. And uh, let me just share with the listeners that I'm working on a video series to support the book that will be launching in August. And uh, that'll go deeply into all the chapters of the book and ask some difficult questions and assign exercises for the listeners to work the material. And uh, doing a master class in the fall as well to go deeper into the Lorax process, each of those six steps listen, open, reflect, release, act, and repeat. Fantastic. And we can find you at skynelson.com. Make sure you or, or livinginflowbook.com. Oh, excellent. Make sure you pick up that book, Living in Flow. For more about Raymond Anderson, go to raymondanderson.com. I've got uh, some upcoming video courses and all kinds of stuff at youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.